Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. And so knowing what my calling is, what my vision is, it's helped me really guide myself in what opportunities to take and what to not take that would not help me on this path that I have chosen for myself. Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devorah host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hi, this is Joe Peterson. I'm the Vice President of Cloud and Security with Clarify 360. I've been listening to the Women in Tech podcast for about a year, and I was drawn in by the energy and enthusiasm of the Women in Tech podcast. Esprit does a really great job in sharing stories of women in tech so that young female listeners can put themselves in the shoes of these women speaking. See, I strongly believe that if we don't show young women the way forward in tech by sharing our stories, then they won't know what's possible. The stories are what creates the value and inspiration. Great job, guys. Welcome back to the Women in Tech podcast, celebrating women in tech from around the world. My name is Marissa Honig, and I am one of the guest hosts for the podcast. I'm based out of Denver, Colorado, and am currently the technical assistant to the CTO at ThoughtWorks. I also host my own podcast called Blossoming Technologist for Young Professionals in Tech. I am so excited to be joined today by my friend and colleague, Ama Asari, a lead developer at ThoughtWorks based out of Seattle, Washington. Ama, how are you doing? Doing good. Very excited to be here as well. Yeah, thanks for joining me. So I want to get started letting you kind of introduce yourself more. So tell me a bit about who you are and what you do. All right. So um, I'm Ama. I am a software developer at heart. My official title at ThoughtWorks is a lead software developer. What I do a lot these days is write less code um, and more advise teams technically on technical strategy or technical best practices or software delivery, um, getting your product into production. And so that's what I spend most of my time doing. I'm also a new mom of a six-month-old, and I'm very proud of her. She's the joy of my days. And so that, that makes me happy as well. Yeah, I actually got to meet her recently, and it was the best. <laughs> um, that's awesome about what you do at ThoughtWorks. I'm curious to know, how did you make that transition from you know being more hands-on developer to doing more advisory work? It was definitely not an abrupt transition. It was a very long time coming. So I started ThoughtWorks as a junior software developer. Um, and so my responsibility was to write code 
most of the time and attend meetings, you know, help the team with other team functions. When I discovered that I had uh, a passion for leading teams and trying to be part of the bigger picture for a team in terms of starting what starting with defining the product and then writing the code and then getting into production, I started to look for opportunities to to be able to lead more. And so on one of my teams, what that looked like was playing this role that they called a feature lead, where I wasn't officially the technical lead or person responsible or accountable for the delivery of the, the software product. But then I was responsible for one part of it, just a really small part. And so I got to use that role to test out my technical leadership skills and general leadership skills. And so I played a feature lead role for a few times on a few different projects, and then eventually transitioned into a technical lead role when I was that person accountable for software delivery for a specific team. And then after a while, I started looking for more challenges in that space. And so I expressed my desires to a lot of people around me and um, eventually got to play a role where I was being a technical advisor for multiple teams. And then, yeah, and so that's what I'm doing a lot more of now. So it was a, it was a gradual transition. Um, and I went back and forth a few times from being an individual contributor to being a leader and then back to individual contributor. It was not a straight path. Yeah. That makes sense. And for anyone not familiar with ThoughtWorks, can you give a really brief uh, introduction of what ThoughtWorks does uh, since it's not like, you know, a big name like Google or something like that? So ThoughtWorks is a global software consulting company. What we do at ThoughtWorks is to create custom software solutions for our clients in whatever areas that they need. Yeah. So it sounds like it well, I also work for ThoughtWorks, so I know that it also requires you to, you know, adapt to those different industries and you kind of gain skills in all these different areas. Uh, so it's, I always feel like it's an interesting place to kind of work on your generalist, you know, software development skills and try a bunch of different languages and everything like that. Yes, it is great for that. And that's one reason why I've been at ThoughtWorks for a long time, because I liked trying out different things. Yeah. So what actually made you become interested in tech when you first got into it? Yes. So my journey to tech, it starts with a, a funny story. As a child, I always had an affinity for gadgets, for breaking things, just trying to understand how they worked. My mom wasn't too enthused one day when I broke her cell phone. <laughs> um, at that time, cell phones were pretty new uh, where we were. And so there was nobody who could really fix them and she couldn't get a new cell phone either. So that was not fun. But then my passion was always to just understand how systems work. And I remember seeing, watching a TV show one day where this guy, um, there was a challenge, a problem that they were facing, and then he had to fix it overnight. And then he wrote a bunch of code and printed it all out. Like nobody prints code these days. But uh, it was funny, at the end of the day, he had this whole sheets, lots of sheets of paper with code on them. He's like, I fixed it. And I was like, hmm, that sounds interesting to me. That's what I want to do. I want to write code and fix fix things. And so when I was in high school, um, I, I was in high school in Ghana. I grew up in Ghana. The government of Ghana at that time uh, wanted to, an, or, an organization in 
and the government wanted to introduce technology to kids at a younger level. So they started at the high school level. Um, and one way that they wanted to do that was to get people involved in this program called I2CAP, which is I2CAN program. There's an acronym for I2CAN program where kids from high schools would be trained in how to write code. And then we would have regional competitions in Ghana, different regions in Ghana. And then there'll be a winner who would then take part in international competitions, international programming competitions. And so I remember one of our high school teachers coming into our classroom one day and he was like, who wants to go to America? And then um, everybody ignored him because in my high school, there were a lot of rich kids and you know a lot of them would travel to the US or Europe for vacations. And so nobody wanted to be seen as that person who was traveling to America because of their school. And that didn't really interest me either. But then he said something that interested me. He was like, we're gonna teach you how to code. And then if you're able to code, you're gonna go to America. And I was like, oh, I wanna learn how to code because that was something I'd seen in my childhood from that video I described. And I always wanted to, but I didn't know how to get started in that. The offer wasn't really to go to America. America was just a bait. <laughs> there was a lot of travel involved in that opportunity to other countries, but not the US. That's not how I ended up here. But that was my start into learning how to code. My teachers taught me. I took part in competitions. I won the national competition. I took part in the international programming competition, which what? I didn't win, but it was really great to be a part of it. This is so cool. I definitely did not expect this story, but this is such an amazing start to getting into tech. Were there a lot of people in the competitions that you were a part of? I, I'm not familiar with them. Yes. So the international competition is called the International Olympiad in Informatics. Um, I don't know how many countries participate now, but there were a lot of countries and I think four participants from each country where they solved algorithm type questions and yeah, and created solutions in a, in a certain amount of time to be able to win um, the competition. And so that was the, at the international level. So from all continents all over the world, at the regional level, at that time, Ghana had 10 regions. And so we had representatives from each region um, and from each high, some, some selected high schools in the region. I forget how many were in there. I think from my school, we had about four representatives. Um, so probably other schools had about the same. That's amazing. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. I've heard a lot of stories of, you know, people's entry into tech and that's, this has got to be one of my favorites. That's such a cool story. Have you ever printed out code now that that was the reason you started? Funny. Um, I don't think I have actually. I have written a lot of code. I don't believe I have printed any of my Maybe code. at some point you got to print it just for the nostalgia effect. I need to, <laughs> right? Especially now that I code less and less, I need to write some code while I, I still have those skills. Yeah, and like frame it, put it on the wall. <laughs> frame it. Awesome. And say I too can program. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I also wanted to ask, what do you consider to be your calling within the tech industry? Great question. I feel like I I would brand myself as an explorer. I love that. So just like exploring new technologies and learning a bunch of different things. 
Yes. I'm excited about learning about new spaces in technology and navigating some of the unexpected situations that arise, trying to solve unknown problems in those spaces um, and then working on them. Yeah, because we talked about, you know, being a generalist and I told you that is um, one thing that excites me about being at ThoughtWorks is that you get to explore so many different problems at any point in time. And that is really what drives me every day when I wake up. I'm, when I'm excited, I'm excited because I have a new problem to solve. How did you discover that it was your calling, especially for anyone listening who's like, how do I figure out my calling? How do you know what it is? Like, how, how did you know? Right. So um, I had a lot of help. I was fortunate enough to be part of this leadership program, leadership development program in ThoughtWorks that went on for about a year where a heavy emphasis was placed on building a personal brand. And that involved really digging deep to find out who you were or who you are and what you want to be known for. And so I remember one exercise I did to discover what's my calling or who am I? What am I passionate about? Was to look, they called this exercise down the mountain where you imagine that you have climbed this mountain and you're at the peak of your career, peak of success. What does that look like for you? And so you just list some, some goal or vision, whatever it is that you have, and then um, figure out steps down the mountain that help you get there. So maybe the step below is the step that you're like, if I'm at this point, then I'm almost at my goal. And then you keep going down and down to, to, to the beginning of like, how do I start to get to where I want to be? And so when I did that um, exercise, one of the questions I remember asking myself is, are these things that excite me because of my current situation? Or are these things that excite me because that's who I am? And... So like, am I, is this a product of my environment or is this just who I am? And um, one thing that helped me answer that was trying to think back to some of the things that excited me when I was a kid, when I was younger. And um, I remembered being passionate about exploring new things, about gadgets, breaking things, just trying to understand systems and then fix things. So I was like, yes, this is something that has been driving me since I was a kid. And I actually remember at school, like, I don't know which kid likes to stay in school after school, but then I remember growing up after school, I would go to the library because they had these question cards with lots of math problems that you could to solve. And so that's what I'll do <laughs> in my after school time, just find problems to solve and then, you know, solve them. So I was like, okay, I can think of so many experiences in my life where this has been something that has excited me, that has made me, motivated me to give more of myself to whatever situation. And so that's how I ended up at, okay, this is what I, I feel like is my calling. This is what I want to be my guiding principle for a lot of the things that I do and new opportunities that I take. Wow. I, I love that. I think that's a great activity for anyone to do. I, I almost want to do that after this call. I guess, how has that then played into your day-to-day -day job? Do you think your mindset has changed now that you understand what that vision is and what your calling is? Absolutely. One, one, one great thing about being, like we talked about, one great thing about being at ThoughtWorks is that you get a lot of opportunities to do lots of different things. And so knowing what my calling is, what my vision is, it's helped me really 
guide myself and what opportunities to take and what to not take that would not help me on this path that I have chosen for myself. Um, so yes, that changes the opportunity type of opportunities that I take, the questions I ask people when I talk to them. I feel really more more guided in 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 the way that I approach different unknown situations. What do you like about the current track that you're on in, you know, systems, infrastructure, that kind of stuff? I love that every day it's something new. The most boring thing to me is to do the same work over and over again every day. And I feel like in in systems design or in infrastructure work, you're always working with so many different components that things change on a day-to-day. The challenges that you face are always different and always challenging. Yeah. It kind of goes back to your explorer mindset where you're always kind of finding new things and trying new things. And that's, you know, exploring the world of tech. (laughs) So I'm also curious because I know you've been in the tech industry for a while. I mean, you've been at ThoughtWorks for nine years now. Who are maybe some mentors that have helped you and how have they helped you grow on that path? Um, yes. So I 100% believe in mentorship officially and unofficially. When I started ThoughtWorks, my first mentor was my first tech lead. I loved how deliberate he was about making decisions because for any question that you'd ask him or any technical decision that he'd make, he would be slow to answer a question about it. And I always wondered why he was he seemed slow to answer, but then I realized that he was being deliberate and I wanted to learn more about that because I felt like I was a more impatient person. <laughs> I was trying to get to the solution of things. And so I was like, I admire that and I, I want to learn more. And so that was my first mentor. And I wanted to learn that about, about him. And after, after him, um, I changed mentors just because I traveled around a little bit um, and I found myself in a different in a different place, different position. Um, after him, I've had a, a, a lot of mentors, unofficial mentors. One one mentor that I really love who changed a lot of things for me was uh, a female technical leader on one of my accounts. Um, I felt like she was able to understand where I was and help give me advice to to guide me to where I want it to be. And I, I think I, um, I think hair and air, hair and I are very much alike in terms of the way that we approach challenges in life. And so I liked her advice a lot because it helped me. It just really helped me move faster than advice from other people who were not entirely like me and couldn't understand where I was coming from. So she helped me by, yeah, giving me advice to help me to get to where I wanted to be by representing me to other people, talking about me, saying, hey, Ama is skilled at X, Y, Z. And then other people reach out to me and say, hey, I heard you were good at these things. And so would you be interested in this opportunity or that opportunity? I, I didn't really have that before she came into my life. And so she really changed the trajectory of my career. And I appreciate her forever for that. Yeah, it's really interesting to hear you talk about how you know, your first mentor was very deliberate in answering questions and you really wanted to learn more about that. And as someone who's worked with you and like 
I almost consider you one of my mentors. Um, I feel like you are very deliberate in answering questions and really taking in the situation. So I think it worked. <laughs> I think you did learn it over time, um, which is awesome to see, like, you know, your growth over time and truly how mentors can impact you. Yeah, and they can impact you in so many different ways. And um, I'll encourage people to not just stick with one mentor because everybody has something that makes them unique and something different to offer you. Um, so it's good to to learn as much as possible from different sources. Yeah, and when you found your mentors, how did you go about that or how did you ask them to be a mentor? Some of them was direct. I just said, hey, can you be my mentor? <laughs> And for some, it was more unofficial in that, hey, I need advice on these situations. Can you help me out? And then if, you know, it worked out for me or maybe it didn't for whatever reason, I would go back and say, hey, can I come to you for more questions or more advice in the future? And I don't think I haven't encountered anybody who said, no, I'm not going to help you. I think most people are quite excited to share their knowledge and help other people grow. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's how I did it officially and unofficially. And I think that's really important to remember because sometimes it can be intimidating to ask someone to mentor you or to like ask for help. But like, like you said, most people are really open to lending a hand or like telling you their expertise and helping you grow in that way. And it's flattering to have someone come to you and say, Hey, can you help me out? And so I think people would be excited to, to have someone come to them and say, can you advise me? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm also curious about maybe some of the like lessons you've learned over time in the tech industry. If there's any like career lessons or, or things you would have done differently starting at the beginning, um, if anything comes to mind. Yes. One of the biggest things I feel I would have done differently um, as a younger techie is to ask more questions and be more vocal about some of the things that I wanted or was interested in. I was pretty shy. I don't know why. Maybe a little bit of imposter syndrome to be like, if I ask questions, people are going to see that I don't really know. And I think I'm supposed to know all of these things. And so I'm not going to ask questions. I'm going to go home and Google everything. <laughs> which I did for a little bit, where I felt like if I had to just ask outright, I would have, it would, it would have set me up quicker for success versus trying to find out everything on my own. And then the other thing in terms of uh, sharing with people what my desires are, what my wishes are, aspirations, I, I don't have any situation where that has gone wrong. Now, of course, you know, if there are some some secrets that you don't want to share, don't share them. <laughs> um, let's say you have a secret algorithm to help with a certain situation. You don't need to share that. But then I think just sharing people, sharing with people what your desires are, you never know what will come out of it. I've had some of my greatest career changes and successes in just being open and vulnerable with people to say, hey, I'm looking to grow in this area or that area. And then an opportunity opens up for me in, in those areas. And there's a saying that says, close mouths, don't get fed. And I think that applies here where if you don't tell people, people might not know that you're looking for such an opportunity. You might not know such an opportunity exists. Um, but then in telling people what, what you're hoping for, something might happen. Something The worst, the worst thing that can happen is that nothing happens, which is the same as not telling anyone. 
But then if you do tell people, something can change. And things have changed for me for the better every time that I've done that. And I think that kind of goes back to the importance of mentors and even the importance of having like one-on-ones with team members just so you can voice, you know, where you want to go, what you want to do. That happened to me when I wanted to kind of be a tech lead. And then I think I told someone and then I was kind of put into that role. (laughs) Yes. Um, There's opportunities, you know, in a lot of places. It might not be the places that you think or you might think. But then there are there are opportunities out there, and so you never know yeah, who who can change your life by sharing your your vision or your dream with them. Yeah, it's also like you can build in public. That's something I see a lot these days about whether you're writing or you know developing code or even doing open source work. Like if you build in public, then others will see it, and maybe that triggers something for them to say, "Oh, hey, like you should connect with my friend." Or what you never know what opportunities can can happen and that's like you can also put that on like LinkedIn if you're doing anything semi related to your job and you're just trying stuff someone sees it on LinkedIn like who knows that could lead to a new job um i'm also curious so with your path right now you're exploring a lot of stuff you're a lead developer what's next for you what are you aspiring to do next yes so i'm hoping to my my guiding principle, like I said, is always to be along this path or track of being an explorer. So what I'm hoping to do is to increase the complexity of the problems that or the problem spaces that I work in. And so if it looks like maybe managing more teams, um, managing bigger software delivery projects, exploring new spaces that um, teams might not be familiar with, but then they're trying to, to get into. And so taking on those challenges and helping software teams deliver the solutions that they need in those spaces, um, that's that's something that I'm looking forward to doing more. Yeah, I love that. Cool. I have some quick fire questions I'm going to go through just like about you as a person. Um, okay. <laughs> so I'd love to do some of these and then we'll do our final questions. So first, okay. what is your favorite book? Wheel of Time, Robert Jordan. is a series. I liked the last book the most in the series. Okay. I still need to read that, but I will. <laughs> now that you've recommended it. <laughs> um, what is your favorite podcast or video series? Does it have to be educational? <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> I love like the romance reality shows. Love is Blind is a favorite one. Amazing. Um, what is your best resource for tech? Um, best resource is talking to people. If you don't have people to talk to, one of the places I like to look at is the ThoughtWorks Tech Raider. Um, has lots of information on current trends in tech and the latest trends we're seeing at our clients. And so I like that. Another is the, um, the lead developer website. It, for me, as an engineering manager, it's really helpful to see what people are doing and successes they have in their career and what I can learn from them. Amazing. And what is your hobby or one of your hobbies? (laughs) I like dancing. Dancing is a great hobby. (laughs) Awesome. So I have two final questions for you. One is what's one thing that listeners can do to support you? They can connect me to other women in tech that would love to talk or share their stories with me. Amazing. And this is the perfect podcast for that too. (laughs) So, um, and the last question, how can people connect with you, whether it's social media, email, whatever you're comfortable with? 
So listeners can connect with me on Twitter at Staritza, which is S-T-A-R-I-T-Z-A-H. Perfect. Thank you so much, Ama. Thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast. To connect and collaborate with more incredible women in tech around the world, remember to go to womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. Say hello on social media at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, Instagram, or on Facebook. And we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hi, this is Ama Asari, a lead developer at ThoughtWorks. ThoughtWorks is a global software consulting company. I am based in Seattle, Washington, and you're listening to Women in Tech. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.